I don't want to say worth it, but it has been really a really beautiful thing to come out of something that just, for lack of better words, sucks so badly. Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Welcome to Dismantle Podcast, a place for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. On this show, we attempt to dismantle an issue that poses as problematic for the church by having a discussion with guests who have insight or experience with those subjects. Now, we're not always going to agree, and that's okay, but we're not going to argue because our goal is to build bridges and not barriers. Our guests today are Chris and Amanda Pauls. Welcome to the show, guys. Yeah, hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited that we got to connect and that we get to sit down and have this conversation, which I'm really excited for. But before we dive into it, can you give our listeners just a little bit about yourselves and about your blog, Amanda? Yeah, so I am Amanda Pauls, at Amanda Pauls. Um, pretty much have a pretty generic motherhood blog, um, but it's allowed me a small platform to, to talk about the things I'm passionate about. My homeschool mother to four daughters under age eight. and yeah, it's just giving me a cool place to to kind of share the things that are on my heart. That's great. Chris, you got to tell us about you too. Yeah, no, I can, <laughs> I can absolutely do that. So I'm, I'm married to a really talented and wonderful woman named Amanda. Um, I am a, a professor of Bible and theology at a small Christian college here in, in the middle of Kansas. Um, former um, youth pastor and discipleship pastor and uh, high school art teacher uh, before that. That puts you all over the place. I have been able to do a lot of things that I really love to do um, and and able to support a family with an income uh, doing it. So no complaints over here, man. That's fantastic. Awesome, guys. Thanks for sharing that. Today on the show, we're discussing a pretty heavy topic, and I think it's something that everyone on some level deals with at some point in their lives. Uh, some a little bit more than others, some a little bit better than others, but we're discussing the idea of grief and loss. And before we dive into it, I really do want to be super sensitive, not just to you guys, but also our listeners, because sometimes this subject is a can of worms. And because we do want to be sensitive with it, I think the church does this too, where there is a sensitivity and an awareness, but then it gets treated with kid gloves. So we do want to talk about it. But we also want to balance that. And for the purpose of the conversation, how should we define that term? How would you guys define grief? Man, so right now it's it's so it's so layered. That word feels so alive right now. Um, so just I guess like share a little bit. You know, we had our first miscarriage in December, and I have heard that word many times. I know several people who have experienced miscarriage, pregnancy loss, even stillbirths, but just had no idea how painful or bizarre any of that would feel that I've experienced lots of grief. Uh, I've lost my dad. I've lost my sister, lost friends. Uh, but this has been the most bizarre grief I think I've, I've ever felt. Yeah, I think if, you know, if we're, we're trying to kind of put legs to the term, um, uh, for me, grief really is, it's like an, it's an intense kind of emotion, but it's also like a, like a process of coming to terms uh, mm-hmm. with things that um, we, we just don't understand very well. And I, I think maybe because 
we just weren't meant to understand them at the level that we're we are yeah it's i think it's weird i think we think of grief as a feeling and it's very much like alive and a part of us um, not just a feeling it's it's never felt so, yeah, it sounds so weird, but the word grief has never felt so alive to me and so much just in me and flowing through me. And um, I don't know if that answer really does, does that justice, but yeah, grief is wild. No, I, I think it does. And for some reason that resonates, right? On some level, like that isn't a very academic response. There's no handholds to it, but it does resonate. Chris, just on that topic, just as a professor of theology, we can look to the Bible, but when we talk about theology, we really approach it as the study of God. Is there a study or some sacred texts that we can look to to better understand that emotion? You know, I think it's a great question. So, I mean, yeah, I think so. One of the ways that I talk about theology with my students is, you know, Literally, we're talking about the study of God, but uh, we we talk about God. We have discourses uh, about God, discussions, and so we kind of uh, approach theology as uh, our expression of our understanding of God. And so, um, as far as like a theology of grief, you know, we've I think we can look at the entirety of the biblical text and see that suffering. Uh, exists and where suffering exists so does so does grief so we can look at jesus we can see uh jesus's intense suffering at the loss of his of his friends jesus is suffering at um you know his uh his time on the cross uh in the garden at, at gethsemane um we can look at the old testament we can look at you know like job is this just huge text a guy wrestling with with suffering and grief and really you know never really comes away with an answer so i think that you know there there are some studies we could do um the unfortunate part about them is i think it lands us in in the territory of just not having the answers we we wish we could have uh, and i think that's a huge part uh, of grief so i think you know in terms of coming coming to terms with it ecclesiastes helps us understand that there are some things that we're just not going to get job helps us with that same thing and maybe help is the wrong word but um i think there are stories that that help us kind of resonate uh with this this feeling of not knowing i'm talking from a from a different point of view too so i have my master's in counseling was actually about to go full-time uh as a licensed professional counselor before um, we had our fourth daughter, and so um, grief was one of my areas of specialty. I loved um, grief counseling and grief therapy, and it's so weird how you can go to school, you can you can see all these people and and help help them navigate their own grief and walk through grief, and then being able to help someone through it is so different than going through it yourself. It just feels like it affects you differently at every, every stage of your life and every person. And it's, it's a, it's a weird thing that you can know so much about, um, and still not, still not know anything about it. And it's interesting 
that you just pointed out that you can have this intellectual knowledge and then when it hits you, the emotional response almost is left depleted. Yeah. Do you think that we do that a lot when it comes to other people where we try to take this intellectual thing like, yeah, I know what you're going through and I understand you're in pain, but we do, like you said, Chris, sort of come up empty with the responses that we offer? Yeah, absolutely. I think we try to rationalize it or put it into something we can understand. And um, it's, it's a weird one, too, but I think we're, we're desperate to explain, you know, I know this is trauma. Um, you can understand the things that are happening uh, physically, mentally, emotionally. But, um, yeah, the way Chris worded it, you, it's still just no matter how much you know or even if you're understanding what's what's actually happening it's still this weird bizarre i i don't think this is i'm not i don't know how i want to word that exactly i don't really accept it at what it is it's just hard to i think so i think the bible has this really complex view of what it means to be human that um we, we lose a little bit on some of our, our surface readings or maybe just some of our, our kind of surface approaches to uh, this, this text that really kind of sees, you know, uh, humans as emotional beings, spiritual beings, physical beings, intellectual beings, and all of that's kind of like, you know, uh, intertwined with one another and not, not really meant to be separated. And so we, we do that, though. I mean, it's part of the way that we think and cope is we compartmentalize ideas mm -hmm. and we, you know, we make the intellectual component of something or the spiritual component of something or the physical component of something. But I think when we, we spend some time, you know, in the, in the story of God's, God's redemption, we see this really complex view of, of human beings that uh, I don't know lets us, lets us separate those things out in, in their own separate kind of facets. Um, we kind of have to take them all together and when we take an intellectual approach to something like grief, there, I mean, there, there are things about it. There's a cerebral component to grief that you know, we, we think about. We know this is how we, how we react to things. We're, we kind of prepare ourselves for it. Um, but there's a, a physical and a spiritual component, too, that I, I don't know that we are ready for until it happens. And, and when it happens is, is a process for us to work through. And a process that never stops. Yeah, maybe. I think, I think some, so many things we think of as like, temporary or to be experienced in that moment or something. But I think grief is one of those things that it shifts and it changes, but it doesn't really stop or go away. Right. And like some things you can be proactive with, but you don't want to be walking around as someone who just, yeah, for lack of a better term is just morbid and constantly despairing. Yeah. You know, trying to prepare yourself for upcoming grief. Is there a way that you can sort of balance that man i remember wishing that we had like grief curriculum in schools almost like dare just because because we are all going to experience um losing someone or, or loving someone who's lost someone i don't know i think oh it's like yeah you don't need morbid but there's also this realism that wherever there's life there's there's death and loss and grief and uh I don't, yeah, I don't even know how to answer that. Yeah, I think, you know, that there, there is a balance maybe that exists out there, but I, I don't know that it's, uh, it's convenient. Um, it's kind of like, you know, the difference between 
like knowledge and wisdom. You know, there are things that we can know uh, and there's information that we can uh, consume or absorb or, or transfer even, you know, from, from one to another. Um, but that knowledge is, is knowledge until it becomes part of our lived experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that experience, you know, is, is part of what, what wisdom looks like. So I think, you know, without being morbid and, and preparing for the worst all the time, you know, at this kind of knowledge level, I think we can have an awareness that all of us are going to, to deal with loss and all of us are going to suffer and all of us are going to experience this, this thing called grief. And, um, I think it's a bit of an awareness and, and, uh, a willingness to walk with each other. I know that mm-hmm. that's kind of a Christianese thing, you know, this like, well, we just walk with each other. Um, but I think that that's, that has, has shown itself to be really true in our experience is the balance kind of um, happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but. I think it does. And, you know, for the sake of the conversation, there's a lot of emotion that we're talking about and that we're referencing, and one verse that comes to mind is that we don't grieve as those who don't have any hope. Yeah. How do we, and it, I mean, it even sounds naive and just Christian to say it, but I'll say it anyway. There's a lot that you deal with. Right. With loss and brokenness. There's anger and there's guilt. There's loneliness, relief, anxiety, shock. I mean, with all these emotions, where do you find hope in the midst of dealing with this whirlwind? Oh man, I, I've heard the term like living hope before and I, it sounds so cheesy. It sounds like you could get it, you know, on a piece of wood at Hobby Lobby or something. Um, but it, it's alive in you. And I think that, yeah, you, you experience all those things you said, shock, anger, uh, weird things, but that hope living in you really, causes you to react differently. And I think the differences in the way that you react to all of those things that um, while we're experiencing all of those things and have experienced them in in really weird and unexpected ways, um, I think there's this, this deep, deep hope that again is alive. um, And it enables you to react to those things in a different way that maybe is even confusing to some Um, but I've felt it in such an intense way. Um, I think the lady in me will always wants to equate things to feelings, but it it feels different than those things don't own me. Anger doesn't own me. The grief doesn't own me, but I'm able to react to those things. Does that make sense? I'm able to choose almost how I want to react to them because there is this deep something. Yeah. So I, you know, uh, I was just thinking about, kind of the way you asked that question um, uh, is it's good. There are all of these emotional pieces that come, come with loss uh, and hope I think is, is found kind of man at the risk again of just throwing out a lot of what feels like Christian buzzwords, you know, like faith is this, this thing for, for me um, that's, it's not just a mental ascent, but it's, it's um a lived embodied experience. Mm-hmm. And so part of that is a trust in the story uh, of God at work. And so there's, there's a part of me that looks to the story of, of Jesus, you know, kind of going through death and out the other side that 
has to be uh, a trust in in that this is this is true. This is what it looks like. Kind of what's true of Jesus becomes true of his followers, which means that like we're we're going to have to deal with this stuff, mm-hmm. um, but that it's not like the end of the story. And so, hope hope looks like for me this embodied kind of experience that like. Uh, what what is the gospel is like a thing we have to walk in. <laughs> I think even just having this conversation, just to remind ourselves, because you know, having grief myself, even within the last week, I, I think it's important that we tell this story again. And I think that when the communities that we have around us are part of that reminding of hope, that reminding of what is true amidst these very strong emotions, I do want to point out that the list that we mentioned before, those are very strong emotions. You know, it's 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 not apathetic. It's not a, a simple emotion. These are deep-rooted, fierce emotions that can very easily sway how you view situations. Yeah, you said something too that just made me think of like our stories are so important, like in sharing our stories and, and I don't know, sharing them in their fullness is, is really important. So coming around and reminding ourselves where that hope is anchored, I think it's important, which not to go too far deep into this, but many people would not share to the level that you guys do with your content, which I want to commend you for. Have you found a transformation because of your transparency? Yeah. So, um, just kind of sharing a little bit about that. I don't, I went, when we, we delivered our son, you know, 11 weeks, very unexpectedly. And I have no idea what came over me. The first thing I thought was like, I need, I need to talk about this to my internet friends. Um, and the first thing I did was, was just, was just share. Um, and it's wild because the messages that I received were, um, just coming in at the thousands and almost all of them were, we miscarried, we lost our baby at this age. Um, all of these grief stories and so many of them started out with, we were alone. We never told anybody. I still haven't told anyone this. Can I tell you this part of my story that I've never told anyone? And there really has just been this incredible, like I think healing that's taken place in all these people. Um, Chris and I have talked about this a lot. I feel, I feel morbid even saying it, but there's this weird part of me that feels so grateful for our loss, which even saying that out loud makes you feel like this, this awful mother, we're grieving our son, but I have this gratefulness that I've been able to talk to so many women who there wasn't an avenue for them to talk about it. And it, it's so silly that an app like Instagram, um, where I do spend a lot of time, you know, shoving bacon in my mouth, um, has provided a, a way for, for women around the world to say, here's my story. Thank you for letting me share it. Thank you for listening to me. I've never told anybody. My husband and I haven't talked about it in 15 years. I actually just called a therapist because you, you know, you inspired me to, to, to get, to get help. So that's been really, um, that's been just a, a thing that's helped me heal personally. Um, and has made my grief feel so much bigger and so much more outside myself. And I don't want to say worth it because, you know, it's like, 
none of that ever feels worth like loss, but it, it has been really, I don't know, a really beautiful thing to come out of something that just for lack of better words sucks so badly. Um, so that's, I don't know, that's been transformative to me to go, I have this thing that I can share with people and I have a boldness in sharing it. And I don't know why it's so easy for me to talk about, but apparently there, there are people who, who needed that. Yeah. And you mentioned something before about seeking professional help, talking to a, a therapist or a counselor. When would you say that it's needed or even appropriate to seek professional help? Because some people are totally fine speaking with someone, others are pretty hesitant and they can't get to that point, whether that's because of past experience or just an unawareness. When would you say that now is the time to speak to someone? Yeah, I think, you know, you you had a list of um, anger, anxiety, shock, um, loneliness. I think when any of those things kind of become an identity for you, uh, when your days are marked by anger or your days are... Um, marked by depression or that just becomes almost like highlighted in your life. I think um, it's time. I, I joke that I think everyone should have a, th- a good, healthy therapist because we're, we're all dealing with so much all the time and we're constantly processing stuff that we don't, we don't always know how to process. Um, but yeah, I think when, when those, those emotions become, um, when they reach a point where you can't choose how you want to react to them, where you can't just say, Hey, I'm feeling sad, but, um, I'm going to wake up and make a good breakfast. And you know, when it, when those things define your days, I think it's definitely time. Um, I'm when they, when they did, what's the word I'm looking for when they take away from you being able to do the other things. Um, I don't know. I think when you're dealing with, um, heavy loss, it's almost, I think therapy is almost always helpful just to talk about it in some ways. It sounds silly, but I think in some ways uh, being able to talk on my platform has been his therapy. There's a, like this therapist always inside of me. That's like, how would I react to a client with this? And I kind of walk myself through it, but just being able to talk to people who want to interact with the story and, and listen and, and um, support me has been, been really well. But yeah, I think, I think when you, I, there are certain things like constant nightmares or anxiety to go places or um, just, you know, reoccurring thoughts that are traumatic. Processing that stuff is so helpful. And I don't know why therapy is, you know, stigmatized in our culture. A lot of people, you know, like, I'm not going to see a shrink or there's that kind of talk, but it's so helpful to process the, those things with someone who, who can just hold your hand and help you walk through it. I remember going through like even just there's a program called grief share and you do it at home with, with a loved one. And it was so helpful hearing other people's stories and going, I'm not crazy. Like this is, this is normal. And I think just in knowing that you're not alone and that your experiences um, are felt by other people, there's just a lot of healing in that. But, but if you're not talking to people who are letting you know that and you're not hearing those stories then then you feel very alone. Now, this is a very powerful conversation, and I think it's important, but we haven't put on the lens of spirituality yet. I mean, we've alluded to the Bible, but this is a very human emotion. But when we do bring this issue to the church, I've never heard this subject covered from the pulpit. I always hear it at a funeral. 
We always talk about this in front of a casket when we remind ourselves, like we said before, that we don't grieve as those who don't have any hope. So it's almost, like we said before, a reactive response, but we don't really get out in front of it. What would you guys recommend for the church? Because this issue isn't going away. This is something that everyone will deal with at some point in their lives. How do you recommend the church better step into engaging with people at moments of deep, intense grief? Yeah. So at the risk of turning kind of into the ecclesiology guy uh, here for a sec, you know, I, I'm pretty critical of the church uh, sometimes, uh, but also lo- I love the church um, and the church has been, you know, the thing, oh, man, it's just been, it's, it's been such an important, you know, part of our life. I think that we, we maybe don't hear a, a lot about it from the pulpit um, for a number of reasons. One maybe is that it's not always the pulpit's job to do those parts of the church's ministry. Um, and I think a lot of times we put, we put a lot of emphasis on kind of the Sunday morning thing. Um, and if it's always the pulpit's job to like, to bring these things to light, we might miss the ministry of the church uh, in, in its greater capacity. Sometimes that being said, do you think that, this is something when we tell the story of the entirety of the scriptures, um, there's no way for us to, to gloss over suffering or grief or loss. And so I think maybe even just an encouragement, you know, we've talked about story quite a bit. Um, I, I'm a, I'm an advocate for telling your story um, because most of us don't realize how much permission we give to other people when we're willing to be transparent and vulnerable with our own story. Um, And so I think, you know, a combination of things, how we get out kind of out in front of it as the church is, you know, good teaching, good teaching from the front, um, but also kind of resourcing our people with the ability, maybe not to do counseling for one another, but, but just with the ability to share our stories together, you know? So it sounds silly sometimes, but I think maybe one of the best ministries the church can engage in is getting people to eat food together. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have those, you know, those conversations over the dinner table where, where that's, it's where we learn to be vulnerable with one another. It's where we learn about like our formative timelines and our origin stories and, and, and all of that stuff. Uh, and I think, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a, um, a pulpit fix or a small group fix or a community fix, but it's a collective, um, the, the church's job under, under the unifier of Jesus Christ, you know, to, to, um, to spend our time telling his story, which is our story. It's how we find our, our meaning and purpose. Yeah, absolutely. What he said also, it's, it's a really thing you were talking about, you know, transformative experiences. I would say like two months ago, when I heard the word church, I thought of like Sunday mornings, thought of, you know, the 30 minute service. And when, when you ask that question, when I hear the word church, now the first thing I think of is our, our friends who are bringing us over meals and gifts and, and special cards and homemade things for the girls. And not the first day, not the second day, but for a solid month, um, we'd have, we've had stuff brought to us from our, our church, like daily. Um, we've been like loved in a way that I've, I've truly never experienced before. I haven't felt alone. And as a mother seeing the way, um, our church community has just like 
loved our children has been wild. And so that word has such a different meaning to me, um, even just through this experience that, yeah, having a, a, a church home is great. Um, hearing, you know, a message is great. Uh, worshiping um, and taking communion with, with our church is great, but the church is, is so much more um, than I really ever, I don't know, saw it as. It's powerful, guys. Thank you. And, and thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your content and how we can connect with you online? Yeah, thank you. So uh, my Instagram account is at Amanda Pauls and blog. It's amandapauls.com. Chris's Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much avoid social media uh, at, at all costs, but uh, I mean, you could follow me for really dumb pictures of uh, things with very little content. <laughs> Otherwise, you should definitely be, be following my wife and interacting with her, her her on there for sure. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for asking us. It's a weird thing to to talk about for a lot of people. We're we're grateful for the the opportunities that are presenting themselves to to do so. For sure, and we'll throw it all in the show notes. But again, guys, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you for uh, the opportunity. It's good to talk to you. That wraps up this episode of The Dismantle. You can connect with us on Instagram at dismantlepod or shoot us an email at dismantlepod at gmail.com. Until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. Mm-hmm.